The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode two, excuse me, two, (laughs) episode 309, brought to you by Rageworks. Our call-in number, 347-324-3541. Again, our call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in to My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our MMA and wrestling editions air every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. And our gaming and entertainment editions of the show air every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Except today, of course, we had a little bit of a late start time. Things ran a little late off air. And uh, rather than sacrifice a show for this week, I figured we'd start a little later and get a show out there for you guys. A couple of things before we get into tonight's topics, uh, some housekeeping, got to get out of the way. Uh, yesterday, during our MMA and wrestling edition of the show, we tested a brand new chat room, which um, worked, seemed to be working pretty well. A couple of people shared their opinions on it. I appreciate those of you that tested it out and reached out to me. Uh, not definitely a chat room that we are testing on a trial basis, the intention is to work with it this week and possibly try another chat application next week. Nonetheless, we did want to try and give you guys an alternative to the usual chat room that we have, the IRC chat that we use on GFQ. Now, of course, you can still watch live shows on mtrlive.com, gfqlive.tv. Plus, with our new streaming provider, we are streaming, I believe, to Twitch stream up and a couple of other providers as well i believe bond live is on that list in any case for those of you that want to participate in tonight's show as i said at the start of the broadcast you can call in 347-324-3541 or head over to mtrlive.com you can participate in the chat there watch the live video stream and also listen to the high quality audio stream provided by mixler For those of you that want to access the show via your mobile devices, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can call in via the call-in number, not hit option one, and you'll be able to listen to the show that way. Also, you can download the Mixler app, 
punch in my take radio and you can listen to the show that way as well via your mobile device or access it via the browser on whatever mobile device you're using which should allow you to access the chat room and the audio and video feeds as well last but not least archived episodes of the show are available within 24 to 48 hours of broadcast usually and can be found on itunes stitcher TuneIn Radio and video archives are available on our two YouTube channels, uh, My Take Radio TV and Official RageWorks. Now, My Take Radio TV is going to host all the shows. Official RageWorks is also going to have the shows, but some of our other content as well, including event coverage, product reviews, unboxings, tons of other content. All of that will be residing in the official RageWorks YouTube channel. Uh, With regards to our broadcasting schedule for the remainder of the month, everything is on all cylinders. We have shows, obviously, yesterday and today, and we will have shows next Wednesday and Thursday, but there may not be shows the week of Labor Day weekend, meaning, uh, you know, right up until September 4th. So September 2nd and 3rd, there may not be any shows. We're still debating if that's going to be the case, but as of right now, We got shows for next week, but possibly no shows for the first week of September. So figured I'd get that out of the way, let you guys know to adjust your schedules accordingly. Now, someone reached out earlier today and asked if I was planning on putting a show calendar on the live page. I hadn't really given it any thought. We're pretty consistent with our shows But um, it did get me thinking, and I've been giving it some thought. I may add a show calendar at some point, maybe put it on the bottom along with our call-in information, just so that when we have guests and other things, we can just add them into the calendar, and you guys can be aware of what's going on. I appreciate that input and um, something definitely to consider. I didn't really give it any thought. Like I said, we have a pretty good broadcast schedule, and we're pretty active socially, so we're usually able to get out our information rather quickly. Now, with regards to our social presence, I mentioned on air last night during our MMA and wrestling show that we will be merging the Facebook fan pages for My Take Radio with RageWorks. Uh, We are doing this for the sake of not having duplicate content on two pages. Not only that, but all of our content with regards to my take radio does reside on RageWorks, so there's no necessity to have everything segregated to that degree not only that but many of you are fans of both pages and are receiving our content twice and that's not fair to you guys to have the timeline clogged up with so much information that you don't need so with that said by next wednesday the merger should be complete according to facebook And there will be one Facebook page which will house everything, and that is facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. Now, we will continue to maintain our two Twitter accounts for obvious reasons, and our Google Plus presence will remain as is for now. But Facebook definitely needed to be unified. Of course, we still have the Facebook group for the show, which is pretty active, and I have no problems with that thus far. On the contrary, there's a lot of good engagement there, and I don't have to deal with the bullshit of Facebook's algorithm. Obviously, if you want to interact with other listeners and our staff and don't want to rely on just a fan page, feel free to check out our Facebook group. The URL for the group is pinned 
at the top of the Facebook fan page, and I will put it in the show notes for this week. For those of you that may be looking to join another community and interact with us as well as the rest of the listeners and readers, of course, uh, with all the listeners that we have between all of our shows, including Black is the New Black and the regular season sportscast, which, by the way, has a new episode going up uh, within the next couple of hours. It's definitely a good place for everyone to connect, exchange ideas, shoot the shit, etc. So figured I would put that out there as well. Now, with regards to tonight's topics, we got a fair amount of gaming news this week, a ton of of entertainment news that I wanted to get into. But before I get into that, I did want to kind of uh, have a little, a slight monologue for this week. And it involves uh, a situation that happened earlier today. Uh, with our friends at 2K. Now, you guys know that 2K uh, puts out WWE 2K16, uh, the Supercard game, all those all those titles, the 2K series basketball games, and um, we received some assets from them for the brand new Supercard game, which we were going to address during tonight's broadcast. And um, come to find out that an event was being held today here in New York City for the launch of WWE 2K16, as well as WWE Supercard, and of course, with SummerSlam and NXT and everything else going on, uh, a lot of people were there to cover it, and uh, yeah, we didn't know anything about it. And um, a little a little annoyed, a little frustrated, because obviously we kind of cover wrestling a lot, and we do cover 2K and their games a lot, and we do cover WWE games a lot, but um, you know, I was I was definitely annoyed, very pissed off, uh, seeing seeing a lot of people in the industry that were covering the event. And you know, I applaud those guys; they're out there on the grind, trying to do what they do. But you fuckers don't cover wrestling. Got to call a spade a spade. You don't. Sure, you cover a game here or there, but you don't you don't cover it like that. Maybe you get the game to review, maybe you review it, but there's there's a handful, and I don't even say this to brag. I say it honestly. There are a handful of websites that can cover the same spectrum that we cover effectively, and it's not some of the cats that I know. I I got to be honest, it's not. You know, you, you, you got to look at, at, at some of the other companies that are out there that are kind of dipping their toes in the pool. There's there's a select handful of companies. And, um, you know, the fact is that I see it and, it like I said, I was, I was frustrated, especially because we just got the, the assets from 2K for the Supercard game this morning. And seeing that, really like i said just just irritated me to no end but for those that actually genuinely do what we do props to them good luck hope you guys enjoyed it but i gotta acknowledge it i gotta put it out there because it's it's bullshit and um yeah i i voiced i voiced my displeasure to 2k directly as well um you know and didn't even want to come off like like it was some sort of a of a bitch session but it was like listen you guys uh, one hand washes the other, both hands wash the face. It's like, you send us content, we share it with our audience, you guys get more eyes on whatever it is that you're promoting, we get to give you guys content, 
everybody wins. But for, for you to send us some stuff and know that we're based out of New York City and not even say, hey, you know, we got this event, blah, 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 you guys should come through. Here's the details, nothing. But immediately it's like, oh, yeah, here's our stuff. Share it with, share it with your, your readers and your listeners and your viewers or whatever the case may be. Just, I, I mean, it's, it felt very one-sided, and I had to, I had to acknowledge that to, to a degree. And like I said, it's, it's not, I'm not, like I said, annoyed about who went, but I'm annoyed that the people that did go were not people that are actively out there and active in the, in the wrestling industry in some capacity. Simple as that. But I figured I'd, I'd, I'd speak my piece, share it with you guys, um, I know there's there's some of you guys that are trying to get your podcasts up and running, that are getting your websites up and running, and I know a few of you have reached out to me, especially this week, uh, with different questions, different inquiries, different, uh, you know, just looking for guidance. And I got to tell, I'm going to tell the listening audience the same thing I told many of you, which is keep your original voice, stay true to who you are, and the shit will happen. Simple as that. Stay true to who you are, give the best content possible, and good shit will happen. And expect to give 51%, get, get, give 49% to get 51%. That's how it goes. You got to give a lot to, to get a lot as well. And, you know, I figured there's no, uh, a lot of the information, it's on the internet, but if I can pay it forward, I do sometimes. And I say that because occasionally motherfuckers are lazy. That there, there are quite a few that automatically just pick up a phone and, hey, how do I do this? And, um, uh, you know, you got to break it to them and be like, um, did you check? Yeah, I was looking, but I didn't really find anything. So I figured I'd just ask you because you know. Okay. And the, the response is, well, did you look here? Nah, I didn't look there because I, I figured I'd just call you. Yeah, okay. And, um, you know, stuff like that is frustrating. So. Like I said, I wanted to kind of get that out there, kind of a, a brain dump to voice with the masses. Like I said, I know many of you are starting your, your sites and your podcasts, and a handful of you have reached out to me this week. Uh, definitely stay the course, but stay true to yourselves. Put out a genuine message and be unique. Don't just be part of the copy and paste race. Don't do that because that shit gets old real quick. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Slick, I read your message. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it just, it can't be helped. Uh, hopefully it'll, it'll pick up, uh, do me a, a solid. If you can just drop a note in the group and on the fan page for the show, letting them know that we're live. Ah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So with that said, and that monologue out of the way, let's get into this week's show. Lots of gaming, lots of entertainment on deck. And with the late start, we're definitely not going to try and keep you guys too long. So let's get this ball rolling, shall we? All right, so I want to start with a very, very, very interesting and highly debated piece of news. Uh, this involves the brand new Batman game, and as many of you know, the the game is getting lots of DLC that is trickling out. The majority of it has not been as well received as many would like for obvious reasons, either because it's just skins or because the map packs and, 
and and campaigns are not as good as people as people were led to believe. Plus, of course, the forty dollars sticker does not help people. Anyway, one of the pieces of DLC that came out this week was the Batmobile and Batman skin from Tim Burton's nineteen eighty nine Batman film. And of course, there was also a challenge track inspired by the film. And that DLC, of course, now available on PS4 and Xbox One. Again, really cool to look at. Really, you know, it was it was it was nostalgic. I got no problem with it. But when you're paying a forty dollar price tag for a DLC pack, and all you're getting are skins and low grade challenge maps, it's definitely going to ruffle a few feathers. And while I saw many people were sharing it and they thought it was cool. I and Slick and I, we've discussed this on previous episodes you guys can listen to, that it just it just doesn't feel like that's worth the $40 price tag that they're charging for this season pass. I, I just I just don't buy it. I, I mean, honestly, and I've said this before, the inevitable game of the year edition is going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So for those of you that were on the hook for that, it's like you guys dropped essentially a hundred dollars on a game, and within six months to a year, if you want to play with all those skins and challenge maps, they'll probably be included for the same price that you paid for the regular game. Again, something that it, it sounds like you know I'm, I'm I'm putting out there just sour grapes about it, but it's not sour grapes. It's the fact that you're making a forty dollar investment, and what you're getting are essentially skins that add really nothing to the gameplay and challenge maps that you don't necessarily need to play. Again, everyone's entitled to spend their money as they wish. I mean, I you know, I I fell prey to it with the with the Mortal Kombat DLC. I make no excuses for myself, but I just feel that what people have been getting including the the soon to be released Tumblr skin, it it just doesn't warrant that $40 investment with regards to their season pass. Nonetheless, if you want to get your hands on it, you can. Um, there is another uh, pack that's going to be released. Uh, do, 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 do. All right, so you got the, the Batman one. Then you have the uh, the Tumblr DLC and the Crime Fighter Challenge Pack as well. The Crime Fighter Challenge Pack is supposed to be released September 1st. You're going to get six AR challenges for Batman, Nightwing, Robin, and Catwoman. Uh, so you'll be getting that. There's also going to be the GCPD Lockdown DLC. Um, that's set after the events of Arkham Knight. You can play as Nightwing. Then, like I said, the 2008 Tumblr Batmobile pack, which is later in September. Then also, last but not least, another thing that they mentioned was the Arkham Batman skin with the original Arkham Asylum Batman costume which you'll be able to access as well. Again, lots of skins and DLCs and challenge maps. I, I mean, even the Batgirl campaign that was released was not as good as many had hoped. And what's crazy is that even though this is supposed to be Rocksteady's final Batman game, seeing the the incredible response to the rest of the Batman mythology, whether it's uh, you know playing as Harley or playing as Batgirl or playing as Nightwing, you can probably do games with those characters should you choose outside of the confines of of just Batman. You know, like I think a Nightwing game following him in Bloodhaven would be kind of cool. Um, you know, maybe doing something with Batgirl. Nothing, nothing super crazy, but there's enough there's enough to be done in the Batman mythology 
that you could probably do another game if you so chose. But again, just I'm I'm not digging what they're putting out with the season pass thus far. But nonetheless, it would be a disservice for me to not share those updates with you guys. So we got some news also out of the D23 Expo. Of course, everybody's been watching that expo with with very very uh well let me rephrase that they've everyone's been consuming news from that expo with a very very fine-tooth comb lots of stuff came out of there including obviously star wars rogue one which we're going to discuss in this week's entertainment segment um kingdom hearts the special place the darth vader playstation 4 which many people were excited about i mean it sony sony is going to continue releasing consoles like this and not only are they going to end up creating a brand new market but people are just going to hoard these consoles and then resell them down the road i mean the the batman the batman arkham knight one was very cool very cool console and i know a lot of guys that sold their original playstation 4s because either they were uh, batman fans or they wanted to get a second one and that was number one on their list now the darth vader one Looked incredibly cool at first glance, but again, it's one of those things where the secondary market, the resale market, is going to jump all over that and abuse the shit out of it. Not to say that it's not cool, but just to say that if you want to get your hands on that console, you got to jump in early. Otherwise, it's it's going to be another it's going to be another Arkham Knight PS4 fiasco either where. They couldn't get enough enough consoles or the secondary market, you know, the reseller market just had had the consoles at astronomical prices. So get in where you can. This is one of the few times where I, I think you you might be better served pre-ordering just to ensure that you get your hands on a console and not get caught out there or deal with any resellers. But one thing that was pretty cool that came out of it was an announcement for Kingdom Hearts which is actually going to add a world based on Big Hero 6. Now, the thing about this is not so much that they're adding a world based on Big Hero 6, but the fact that they're using um, the villain from the game to control the Baymax body that was left in the portal after after the film. Now, if you guys remember or have seen Big Hero 6, you know that Baymax sacrificed himself to save Hero and the chip that made Baymax who he was, was given to Hero, was inside the glove that saved Hero's life, that was used to save Hero's life, and of course he created a new Baymax. Now, because of that, I like where they're going, that they're using the other Baymax body that was left in the portal, a little bit of story continuity, uh, very, very cool, I like that, I like where you know Square Enix and Disney are going with it, and who knows, maybe that'll carry over in some capacity to the rumored sequel regarding that abandoned Baymax body. Nonetheless, um, it's it's really cool that they're doing that. Xbox One, PlayStation 4 will be getting this brand new Kingdom Hearts game. No release date was announced at the D23 Expo. Nonetheless, Kingdom Hearts has been incredibly successful, so I am going to be watching this bit of news with much interest. Once I get a release date for you guys, of course, keep it locked here, and I will make sure to get you that information. Now, on the WWE 2K16 side, if you guys saw our latest post on RageWorks.net, you'll know that a brand new set of superstars was announced for the game, including Adam Rose, Bo Dallas, Brie Bella, 
Brock Lesnar, Goldust, Heath Slater, Hideo Itami, Jack Swagger, Kevin Owens, Adrian Neville, Nikki Bella, Ric Flair, Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns, Stardust, Sting, Tyler Breeze, The Ultimate Warrior, and Zack Ryder. Now, a couple of things which I thought were very, very cool was the increased presence of NXT superstars such as, you know, Tyler Breeze, Sami Zayn, Hideo Itami. I think that playing, that including those superstars in there was a smart move. It, it allows them to not only pad the roster with some other superstars, but eliminates the necessity to have to create these superstars online. I mean, Hideo Itami was, a, was one character that you know, you know everybody was going to create immediately, and now having him in-game is definitely very, very cool. Now, Adrian Neville, of course, on the main roster, Kevin Owens on the main roster, uh, the, the inclusion of, of veterans like Ric Flair, uh, Sting, and, of course, the Ultimate Warrior is a no-brainer at this point and I think is a solid, solid way to uh, get those legends some, some, extra, some extra screen time. I mean, during the promotion of this game, we know that we're going to see Ric Flair. We know we're going to see Sting just because including them in the game just it adds more it adds more layers it adds more replayability i mean who doesn't want to play a sting who doesn't want to have the fantasy matchup between sting and the undertaker which i'm sure we will get in the real world i have my doubts but i i think it will happen eventually nonetheless including them both in game i mean they did it last year with 2K15 this year with 2K16 with the improved graphics uh, you know, the next gen, the really, really, really well done animations and and new control scheme make it a a, wor- a game at least worth checking out. And again, given the monologue I had earlier with uh, my issues with 2K, that doesn't take away from the fact that I like what I'm seeing. I think that the improved graphics and just utilizing the hardware to um, a much greater potential this time around is going to lead to a better game. How good? It remains to be seen, but thus far, it does look incredibly promising. Now, Rainbow Six, everybody has love-hate relationships with this game. Some people really, really enjoy the Rainbow Six series. Others would prefer Call of Duty or Battlefield or any of the other series. I mean, I know a couple of hardcore dudes that really were looking forward to Rainbow Six Siege, and when I let them know that the game was being delayed, they were not happy. And, I mean, with good reason, the delay obviously is being uh, is being done to make the game better, to improve it, but it's a pretty solid delay. I mean, originally the game was scheduled for release on October 13th. Now the game was pushed all the way to December 1st. Now, many people are going to look at it and be like, hey, you know, it's not too bad, but but what happens is, During the holiday season, and some of you may agree or disagree with this, during the holiday season, there's such an influx of other games being sold that a lot of new titles, unless they're priced in that, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, holiday deal niche, they just sit there. That's what ends up happening. Like, when we've we've talked about MPD numbers in December for the month of November, unexpected games just show up because the price points end up being so attractive that people that may have been on the fence at one point automatically jump in the pool because you can't you can't ignore the pricing 
I mean, games that are that are on people's radar that came out two or three weeks before, all of a sudden they're 25, 30 bucks. It's a no-brainer. And what ends up happening is that games that come out within that time that, that time frame either have to be released with some sort of a big sale attached to it, or they're just going to end up being pushed to the side until later on in the holiday season when they do some sort of a deal on it where maybe they knock off 10 bucks or something and then those units start to move now again for me personally i understand the delay it's probably leading to a better game and a better experience but you're now moving into the territory where it's going to be harder to move certain games i i say it before and i've said it before and i'll say it again what once once Thanksgiving comes around, any game that's released after Thanksgiving throughout the month of December is going to be in for a very, very uphill climb. Now, obviously, there a case could be made for games like Gears of War or a new Halo or any of those other games. But if you've noticed, uh, the majority of the time, those games are released at least two weeks before Thanksgiving or a week before, thus they're able to move a lot of units at full price. And should they be reduced for Black Friday or Cyber Monday, it's not so bad because they got their initial foot in the door. I mean, I got caught out there when I picked up two games, uh, I'd say about a month early, I'd like to say November 1st. And when the ads started being leaked out for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, I had issues trying to get those games uh, price matched because... You know, a lot of people just don't want to commit to price matching games, especially if you have the ads in advance. Now, not to say that I was successful because I wasn't, but what I ended up doing was any games that I wanted that were out in that period, as soon as people started leaking Black Friday circulars, I started taking notes of what the hell I wanted to buy. It's fucked up, but you got to do that nowadays because... What happens is the volume of sales is so big now that between Amazon, Target, Walmart, Best Buy, and, and other small retailers, Newegg, you know, internet retailers and, and, big, and big box retailers, the, the amount of stuff that goes on sale, you got to have a very, very keen eye. So with that said, if you are picking up Rainbow Six Siege, uh, do your homework, see if you know there's anything that's that's discussed pre-Black Friday with regards to the game, and then plan accordingly. I don't want to see you guys get taken to the cleaners if you guys can save a couple of bucks. But either way, if you have been looking forward to Rainbow Six Siege, change that date on your calendar from October 13th to December 1st. In some other Disney news, this came out of the D23 Expo as well. Disney Infinity 3.0 is going to be adding a lot more Star Wars to its lineup. They're going to be releasing a brand new uh, playset called Twilight of the Republic, which is set in the Star Wars prequel timeline. You're going to get Anakin Skywalker, Ahsoka Tano, and a couple of other characters as well. You're also going to be getting a third playset based on the Force Awakens series and a second, well, correction, a second playset, which is Rise Against the Empire, which is going to have a couple of different figures for that set. And then, of course, there is going to be a playset based on Star Wars The Force Awakens. That will include Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca. You're also going to get Darth Vader and Darth Maul for the, for the, other, play set, uh, for the other play sets. 
Now, obviously, you'll be able to use every Star Wars figure in every Star Wars place that the game, of course, will also have its fair share of playsets from Marvel as well, including uh, Age of Ultron stuff, which will, of course, have a Hulkbuster Iron Man, Ultron, and another announcement, figures from Tron Legacy as well. For those of you that are keeping an eye out for Disney Infinity, the game does hit stores on... uh, The game will be released August 30th, on PS4, Xbox One, PC, Wii U, PlayStation 3, 360, iOS, and Android. So, if you are looking forward to picking that up, the day, the release date is August 30th as of today's show. Of course, that may change, but they're usually pretty good with their release dates. So, mark down August 30th for now, and if it changes, I'll make sure to let you guys know. Now, one thing that's been making a lot of news the last couple of hours, particularly earlier today, was the Call of Duty Black Ops 3 beta. Now, that beta is open as of right now. It is a multiplayer beta that is available to be played until August 23rd on the PlayStation 4. It's going to be available to play on Xbox One and PC on August 26th. Now, there are beta codes that are being thrown around there. I'm hoping to get some to share with you guys. No promises. Um, but if, if, if you can get your hands on a, on a beta code, definitely do so. I've heard good things. I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitch so far that looks pretty promising. I mean, I'm not the biggest Call of Duty fan. I'm not. But I have a soft spot for the Black Ops series. I did like the story uh, for Black Ops 2. And that's pretty much what I played. I played the single-player campaign. Didn't really do multiplayer, albeit, you know, I did, I did once pop in there at the recommendation of someone but it wasn't something where I was going to be glued to the game like so many others. Hell, I know guys that they don't even touch the the campaign and jump right into multiplayer. And with that, obviously, I know many people will want to get in on this beta. So, just as a reminder, PlayStation 4, you can play the beta from now through August 23rd. Now, if you want to get in on that beta on Xbox One and PC... August 26th is the date. So August 23rd is this Sunday. You'll be able to play the beta until... And then starting Wednesday, August 26th, you'll be able to play the beta on Xbox One and PC. Make a note, guys, because I know many of you will definitely want to get it, get in on that beta. And, of course, the game hits shelves November 6th. Now, Slick shared a very cool trailer in uh, in the Rageworks group earlier this earlier today... And that was that we will be getting a Lego Scooby-Doo game. Now, if any character would benefit from a Lego version, it would be Scooby-Doo. And the reason I say that is because they're, you know, the Lego games are just guilty pleasures and a lot of fun. And when I saw Slick share it in the group, I said to myself, "Eh, it's another Lego game. And I watched it. I was like, wow, this looks pretty fun. I'd probably play this if I could for, um... For a brief amount of time. Oh yeah, correction. Let me let me rephrase that. Uh, Scooby Doo is part of Lego Dimensions, as is Ghostbusters. Sorry about that, Slick. I I misspoke. Uh, nonetheless, it, it it made me inclined to want to pick up the game just because it seems like a character tailor made for you know for the Lego universe, much like the you know the Ghostbusters characters are. Again, the Lego games have always been guilty pleasures. And they're usually quite fun. I mean, our very own Slick 
can tell you he's played a lot of different Lego games. And every time that I have spoken to him about it, he's always had nothing but positive things to say. So if you're a fan of Scooby-Doo or Ghostbusters, for that matter, be on the lookout for that. Of course, Lego Dimensions is including characters not only from Scooby-Doo and Ghostbusters, but also The Simpsons, Doctor Who, Portal, Jurassic World, uh, Midway Arcade, uh, DC Comics, Lord of the Rings, the Lego movie, The Wizard of Oz, Ninjago, Back to the F- and Back to the Future. The release date for the game is September 27th, and it will be available on the following consoles, Xbox One, 360, PS4, PS3, and as crazy as it sounds, the Nintendo Wii U is getting getting a little bit of Lego love as well. So if, if you do want to pick up the game, you have a plethora of consoles to choose from. All right, so with that, last thing, last two things I wanted to share with you guys is if you're on the fence about picking up a DS for anyone in your household, keep your wallet close by because they are dropping the price of the 2DS. It's going to go down from $129 to $99. Now, a couple of those models that are going to be released during the price drop will come bundled with Mario Kart 7 at no extra charge. Now, if you guys remember, the 2DS came out in, I believe it was October of 2013, maybe no, September 2013. I want to say October because that, that, that month jumps out for some reason. In any case, they released it for to coincide with the release of Pokemon X and Y. That I do remember. The 2DS was designed as an entry-level version of Nintendo's handheld, which, of course, for those of you that didn't want to spend the money on the 3DS you guys had that cheaper option. But the beauty of it is that, um, thank you, Slick, the 2DS was released October 12th, 2013. Thank you for that. Uh, The 2DS price drop, of course, well before the holiday season, but there are so many notable DS titles that you're going to want to pick up that that $99 price tag definitely makes it very, very attractive, especially with school soon getting back in session. Now, some of the games that you can you can check out this fall, of course, Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, uh, Yokai Watch in November. Um, what else do we got? Ton of games that are already available on the 3DS that you can play on the 2DS. The the thing that jumps out for me, and as someone who has bought numerous uh, DS and Game Boy consoles for for my sister in my house, is the fact that these systems are quite durable. They take a beating. Uh, the 2DS itself, you look at it, you're like, wow, this is a, a pretty decent-sized system. But if you're looking to get a younger kid into gaming and don't want to deal with the big price tag of the um, the 3DS, then you know the $99 price tag is definitely an attractive option. Like I've said, the thing that gets me with Nintendo is that occasionally they slip a price drop in there that just makes sense. And with school getting back in session, like I said, the $99 investment is is pretty solid for somebody that just wants to get some gaming in on occasion and not on a hardcore basis. If I were somebody who played uh, you know, DS games on the regular, I'd probably pull pull the trigger on a 2DS just because I'd leave it in my bathroom or, you know, I'd leave it laying around the house and just pick up and play as I see fit, but I'm I'm not, you know, that's one thing I've never really been is a mobile gamer. And the reason mostly is because I don't really have a commute 
And I don't see for me personally, I don't see the logic for me to sit in my couch or on a chair playing a handheld game when I can just as easily turn on the uh, the fairly large uh, big screen TV that I have and enjoy the game that way. I know that I'm missing out on a lot of great DS titles. I know that. Trust me, I do. But don't get me wrong. I do sneak them in on occasion on my, on my sister's DS if you know if the need arises. But it's not something I see myself doing. I mean, even even on my you know my Galaxy Note Four, I have maybe a handful of games on there. I was playing um, the uh, the WWE fighting game for a while, and I just lost interest. Don't really play it. And mostly words with friends, quiz up, you know, nothing insane. But that's it's just not me, like I said. So mark it down on your calendars, hundred bucks for the two DS. The um if you pick up the bundle, you might get Mario Kart seven at no charge. Not a big deal. The price drop for the two DS goes into effect August thirtieth. Again, August thirtieth. So that's a pretty big day, but with the release of Disney Infinity now with the 2DS price drop, definitely if you're on the fence about picking one of those systems up, do so. $100 doesn't really is is not going to hurt your pockets if you want a system. All right. So, last bit of news to wrap things up. Sony is giving PlayStation 4 owners the opportunity to be a beta tester for the console's next system update. Now, a lot of people were really excited about this because Allowing being able to give Sony input on these updates after so many people's systems got bricked with the original update with the vert with the 2.0 update last October, I can understand why people want to get involved. Now, the way it works is that you can sign up and you'll be able to participate and provide feedback. If anything goes wrong, if you don't like the way your system is running, you can roll back to PS4's current 2.5 firmware. Now, as of right now, the rumors are that you'll be able to test the 3.0 firmware update, which allegedly includes streaming support for games, streaming support for YouTube, and also uploading video clips to Twitter. Uh, From what they're saying, the Twitter video clip uploads will only be available for Japanese PS4 owners. Don't quote me yet on that, but the streaming of games to YouTube definitely looks incredibly promising now of course beta testing if you want to get involved will start in early september and of course once that's that that starts to get fleshed out i'll share it with you guys because they're gonna let people know what feature set you're gonna be getting access to for that beta i'm gonna see if i can get the sign up link and include it in the show notes for this week if you are interested in participating i'm sure you will appreciate that so With that said, that is actually going to wrap it up on the gaming front for this week. Uh, A couple of things before I I jump into this week's entertainment segment. I do owe you guys some some game reviews, and I do want to try and get some streaming in. I know I've said it on a couple of broadcasts, and I've been slipping and slacking. So I'm going to try and and get a stream in uh, maybe Saturday or Sunday at some point, even if it's for an hour, throw on a game, shoot the shit with you guys. Maybe add some stuff to the site and our Facebook fan page as well. Only because the you guys like to stream the streams whenever I do old school games. Maybe I'll dust off the original Xbox and throw on maybe WWE Raw 
or one of the older games, or maybe I'll throw something in from the MAME cabinet that I have built into the original Xbox and run with that. We'll see what happens, but hopefully the intention is to try and get some streaming done this weekend. All right, so with that, let's switch gears and jump into the week's entertainment news because there's quite a bit to discuss, especially some what-the-fuck movie news because, yeah, we got that this week. So with that said, let's jump right into it, shall we? So I might as well get the ball rolling with some what the fuck movie news first, because I know some of you guys are going to listen to this and ask yourselves, why is this happening? Well, you guys know Dolph Lundgren. Uh, you guys have seen him in Rocky Four, The Expendables. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Rocky. Yeah. Rocky Four. Yep. Rocky Four. Because three was with Mr. T. Four was with Ivan Drago. That's right. Got a, getting a little old, so I got to try and remember all this stuff. Anyway, so you guys know he's been doing The Expendables and a couple of made-for-TV, straight-to-DVD action flicks. But what I didn't, what I never imagined was that I would read that Dolph Lundgren is doing a straight-to-video sequel of Kindergarten Cop. I kid you not. Kindergarten Cop is getting a sequel. It is um, <laughs> going to have Dolph Lundgren pretty much playing the same fish-out-of-water police officer that Arnold Schwarzenegger played, albeit slightly different, of course, not as insane as John Kimball, but definitely on that same level. Of course, um, people were talking about this quite a bit on social media, and they were just as tripped up about it as I was because I saw that, and I'm like, really? That's That's what we're doing? A sequel to a movie that was decent at best, but had quite a cult following. It's insanity. Insanity on so many levels. I mean, Dolph Lundgren has been doing movies on straight, to, doing straight to DVD movies for the longest time. He's had, he's done movies with a who's who of other action stars, um, you know, and guys, and of course, the, the mainstream stuff with the Expendables. So to see him now doing a sequel to a movie that no nobody in their right mind would even worry about at this point is insane but if you are interested in it once i get a release date <laughs> or it, when it's available on netflix or streaming you guys can check it out as well i see you in the uh, chat dark helmet um no idea why that's not, th that's the case uh, Dark Helmet brought to my attention that he is having issues with the chat working on Firefox, and he is actually logging in via Chrome. So if you guys are having issues using a Facebook login to log into the chat, you can use a Chrome browser and try it that way, and it does work. Thank you for the heads up, Dark Helmet. Another thing to fix. Appreciate it, though. All right, so another film that is just not really worth a sequel but is getting one is the Ouija movie now if you guys have HBO or Cinemax currently the first film is currently airing on those channels 
Now, the thing that gets me is I, I watched it. I watch Ouija because, you know, I like horror movies. I'm a horror movie aficionado. I appreciate them. And even the shitty ones, that you could just watch them for a few laughs. But the thing that gets me is that they're doing a sequel and they're going to try and and get some, you know, a little bit more exposure. But the thing that gets me is that the first film, which I did not know, made $102 million on a $5 million budget. Oculus, which also... Uh, the reason I'm mentioning Oculus is because the the actress, one of the actresses from Oculus will be the lead in Ouija 2, is the fact that Oculus made $44 million on a $5 million budget. Now, Ouija wasn't a great movie by any stretch. It had a couple of good jump scares, which were passable. But as an overall horror movie, it was something that I felt has been done countless times. So... Again, you're not really reinventing the wheel. Now, Oculus was touted as this amazing horror movie, and we went to the theater, we watched it. You can actually find our review on Rageworks that we brought over from My Take Radio. And um, the fact is, that movie was shit. Oculus was fucking awful. How that movie made $44 million is amazing. But I got to tell you, it sucked it really really did suck so in any case if you do care about a potential ouija sequel you'll be able to see that when it hits theaters october 21st 2016 now the other thing i wanted to talk about and this i just i just don't understand where they're going with this because this is insane um you guys know the movie red right with uh bruce willis john malkovich and uh, Helen Mirren and a who's who of of actors. Of course, it was based on a comic of the same name. The first film was very, very successful, pretty solid. But the um, the second film, eh, not that good. Well, in the continuing trend of adapting big screen films to small screen projects, it looks like we will be getting a red TV series, which it looks to be in development from Lionsgate TV, and of course, the series will follow the core plot of the films with NBC taking the re- taking the reins and bringing that to network television. So, the thing that gets me is, I understand that networks want to compete with cable. Between AMC, FX, TNT, HBO, there's so much great programming that... Broadcast television is fighting, you know, tooth, tooth and you know, tooth and claw to, to keep your eyes on those major networks. But repurposing big screen properties to the small screen just it just doesn't it just doesn't work for me. I mean, like I said, Red was a pretty solid film. The first film was enjoyable. I got I got a lot of laughs from it. Did did it did it need a sequel? Debatable. But for, for the source material you had, it was, it was pretty solid. The thing that gets me, and I've said this before, is that you're taking these films, repurposing them, and if they bomb, then you end up sullying the legacy of these, these films on the big screen. It's happening with Red. They're doing it with Training Day, which I mentioned last week. They're doing it with the Minority Report. It, it, again, 
I understand that you're trying to have compelling programming to keep broadcast television audiences tuned in and not lose them to cable, but repurposing films for that is just, I just feel that it's a waste of time in my opinion. Now, as I mentioned during our gaming segment, during the D23 Expo, Star Wars Rogue One was announced. Now, Star Wars Rogue One originally was considered an anthology title, but they ended up clearing that up, and it is instead a Star Wars story. The Star Wars Rogue One film will be taking place before the events of Star Wars A New Hope, and it's going to go into some familiar territory in some respects, but it's going to be a completely new story. Now, the thing about this, aside from the direction that they're going and the fact that it's a prequel to A New Hope but exists in the Star Wars universe is the fact that they have a, a, a really, really solid, solid cast on paper. You got Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, Donnie Yen, one of my favorite actors, Mads Mikkelsen, Ben Mendelsohn, who many of you may have seen in Bloodline or Mississippi Grind. He was also in the film that I, uh, Black Sea with Jude Law that I reviewed not too long ago. He is also in the film Jiang Wen, uh, Forrest Whitaker, Alan Tudyk, uh, Riz Ahmed, and, uh, you know, are all solid, solid actors, have been in great films, and are now joining the Star Wars universe. I mean, just, just hearing uh, Ben Mendelsohn, Ben Mendelsohn, excuse me, and uh, Mads Mikkelsen and Forrest Whitaker in the same cast list is just, it's, it's insane. Um, I'm really pumped for it. This film is going to be directed by Gareth Edwards. And um, again, it is a prequel. And I'm curious to see what they're going to do and how they're going to go in, into the Star Wars mythology. I mean, right now, Disney is really trying to carve out this niche and solidify Star Wars as the number one premier science fiction franchise obviously those of you that enjoy star trek are are going to or you know may disagree but disney is definitely throwing everything they can at the star wars universe to create something engaging for all audiences me personally i like star wars i like star trek i like them for different reasons um you know star wars was something that i came into later on in, in my childhood and Star Trek was just something that I ended up becoming a fan of it because it used to play in the background occasionally in my house. Uh, you know, they give the old episodes with, um, you know, with William Shatner. And then as I got older, I, they'd have Next Generation playing in the background and I'd occasionally tune in. I ended up liking uh, the characters, the Borg, for some reason, and I kind of got sucked in a little bit into Star Trek The Next Generation. Then I checked out Enterprise for a little bit. I, I mean, uh, you know, Deep Space Nine. The The thing is that each universe has really, really awesome stories that can be told. But like anything else, it's a question of actors, storylines, and just trying to get it together in such a way that it works. Now, if you guys remember, when they did the new Star Wars trilogy with um, young Anakin and, you know, Hayden Christensen being a whiny bitch. Everybody really, really started to dislike the series because they felt that it tarnished the legacy that the, first, that the other three films had already established. But the, what got me was I watched the films not too long ago, and the first thing is that they do not age well. 
If you watch uh, at least The Phantom Menace, if you watch The Phantom Menace on Blu-ray, you're going to see that they just do not age as well as they should. Now, the thing that gets me with that is that some people are going to say, yeah, but you know, the digital effects at that time, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is, they did not, it just didn't age well. Another film that I watched recently uh, in HD on Blu-ray that just didn't age well was The First Matrix. That's not to say that it's not enjoyable. It's just that you could see a lot of the, the digital effects a lot more clearly. Now, the thing with me for the Star Wars prequels that really troubled me was just the fact that they went into like this completely other direction and introduced some characters like Jar Jar Binks, which everybody hated. And the origin for Anakin Skywalker, while it was cool, you kind of wanted to give more of a fuck about you know, Qui-Gon in the first one, Obi-Wan in the second one. Like, like Anakin became such an afterthought because people hated Hayden Christensen. They really did. I mean, in that third film where he's like, Obi-Wan is holding me back. I was like, wow, Darth Vader, you are a bitch. So, I mean, with that said, I'm looking at these new stories being put out in the Star Wars universe very carefully. But I see that they're really picking some solid talent to be involved in these projects. I mean, you know, Force Awakens looks tremendous. All the footage that I've seen just it, it makes me feel excited to be to be part of this. I mean, when I first saw Star Wars in, in you know in, in the eighties and nineties, late eighties, early nineties, for me it was it was just magic. Like I watched, I was like, wow, this is like I said wow on at least three or four occasions or that's awesome on three or four occasions because I got sucked into the story. I got sucked into the narrative and the the other three films they just they just didn't have that which is fucked up to say but it just, they just didn't. I mean I enjoyed them but they just didn't they didn't bring that that sense of wonder and you you know just sitting there on the edge of your seat with your eyes open like holy cow this is awesome. It you know that I felt with with the original trilogy but seeing the footage for the Force Awakens I was like you know, I felt it. I felt that magic there. Maybe it's because you're seeing, you know, Han Solo and Chewie or the fact that the original cast are involved. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's just that I'm looking for something to hang on to because the other films were passable at best. That That's just me. But I think that Force Awakens, Rogue One show incredible promise, especially Force Awakens. Rogue One, from a casting standpoint, definitely has a solid cast on paper to tell a good story. But... Are people going to be ready to embrace a Star Wars story that takes place before A New Hope after the sour taste that was left in their mouths with The Phantom Menace and its sequels? We're going to have to wait and see, won't we? In any case, uh, Rogue One is a film that will be hitting theaters December 16th, 2016. So we get Force Awakens this year and then we're going to get Rogue One next year so all signs point to every christmas there being a star wars film of some sort we'll see if that does pan out but again december 16 2016 for star wars rogue one now in some other star wars news and this is pretty big they announced that colin trevorrow who many of you know did such a great job with jurassic world will be helming star wars episode nine now, everybody, of course, is really, really excited for The Force Awakens, 
that nobody thought about, oh shit, you know, Star Wars Episode 9. Well, Episode 8 is being directed by Rian Johnson. Episode 7, of course, Force Awakens. Um, it, it's, it's crazy. It really, really is crazy the direction that they're going in. Um, only because they're announcing all these directors and they're just cranking out the news piece by piece every time. And I got no problem with it. I mean, both films are years off. But I think that with regards to the director announcements, uh, Colin Trevorrow, I think, is going to do a solid job. I really liked what he did with Jurassic World. He he brought back everything that made Jurassic Park a solid and enjoyable film. And you're talking to a guy that read the books by Michael Crichton and thoroughly enjoyed them. Like, I read Michael Crichton's books, then I saw Jurassic Park and the sequels that followed. And, you know, I mean, the the book for The Lost World and the Lost World film weren't, both of them were just not that good, but the original Jurassic Park, both the book and the movie were tremendous. And to see that brought full circle with Jurassic World was incredibly refreshing. Plus, you know, Chris Pratt did an awesome job in that film from start to finish. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, Colin Trevorrow will be directing episode nine. Rian Johnson will be directing episode eight. And Rogue One will be hitting theaters December 16th, 2016. All right. So the other bit of news that came out of D23 involved Pirates of the Caribbean, which, of course, is a series that many people have said that it should be put out to pasture. I, you know, I enjoyed the first film. I found the first film to be incredibly entertaining. The second film was 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 solid. But as they progressed, it just got more and more and more far-fetched. And I just started to feel that Johnny Depp was was phoning it in in the later films. Well, in some interesting casting news, it looks like Orlando Bloom is heading back to reprise the, his role as Will Turner in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Now, of course, you're going to see Jack Sparrow. Jeffrey Rush will be involved as well. But um, if you guys remember, Will Turner appeared in the first three films, including uh, At World's End. And at the end of At World's End, he was stuck as the captain of the Dutchman taking souls for the afterlife. Now, if you saw the post credits sequence for that, he ended up returning to Elizabeth Swan, played by Keira Knightley, and their son after 10 years. Now, again... It's it's good to see a lot of the cast coming back and really bringing the story full circle, but am I the only one that feels that Pirates of the Caribbean has ran its course? I kind of feel that it, that it has. I mean, don't get me wrong, box office numbers don't lie, but everything that made the films great in the beginning just started to lose its luster in 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 the sequels. They really did. Now, is this going to be the last film to close it out? remains to be seen but as of right now i'm not i'm not overly impressed with what i've seen thus far again not to say that it's going to suck just saying that bringing everybody back hopefully this will close the chapter on that series and allow disney to focus on something else all right let's talk box office totals it should come as no shock to anyone that straight out of Compton was number one at the box office, earning $56.1 million. This was followed by Mission Impossible Rogue Nation in the number two slot, earning an additional $17.3 million and bringing its grand total 
to $138.4 million. The man from UNCLE took $13.5 million to secure the number three slot. Fantastic Four tumbled to the number four slot, earning $8 million, bringing its total thus far to $42 million. You can check out Julian's review of Fantastic Four on Rageworks and see for yourself. Uh, The Gift came in at number five. Ant-Man was number six. Ant-Man's total thus far with the 5.5 that it made this past weekend is now at $157.6 million. Pretty solid. Vacation took the number seven slot. Minions at number eight brought its total up to $313 million. Those little yellow motherfuckers are sure as fuck marketable, aren't they? Man, I mean, the Minions, they're cute. They're funny. They have their place. But the fact that a movie about little pill looking what are essentially tic tacs with faces and it's earned 300 million dollars is just insane ricky and the flash took 4.6 million dollars and train wreck came in at number 10 earning 3.8 million and bringing its total to 97.9 million dollars now we've talked a lot about disney and it wouldn't be a show without some Marvel news. Uh, Hugh Jackman alluded to the possibility that we may be seeing Sabretooth in Wolverine 3. Uh, he mentioned it excuse me, during a Sydney Confidential podcast and said that he's seen a lot of feedback from fans asking what they'd like to see in the last X-Men film. And, you know, Sabretooth, Victor Creed is tops on that list. Now, if you guys remember, Sabretooth, Victor Creed was originally played by Tyler Maine in the X-Men movie in the X-Men film, and Liev Schreiber played him in X-Men Origins Wolverine. I've always felt, I mean, Liev Schreiber did a good job, but I felt that Sabretooth just was not handled correctly. And the problem is that you're dealing with an R-rated character in a PG-13 world. Sabretooth is violent, gruesome, just over the top in every aspect. And for him to translate well into a Wolverine story, you definitely got to push that film into R-rated territory. You're talking about a guy who is unhinged, psychotic, and insane, and he would be better served as a returning character, especially for the third Wolverine film. But if we're going to go that route, we need something a little bit more aggressive than what we saw from Liev Schreiber in the other X-Men, in the other Wolverine film. That's all I'm saying. So... Slick and I had a very deep and engaged conversation this afternoon about the campaign that came together after Ronda Rousey did her AMA, and she said that she'd love an opportunity to work with Marvel and possibly play Captain Marvel. Now, hearing that, many artists across the the, 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 the web universe took to their keyboards, their sketchbooks, and whatever other artistic tools were at their disposal, and created plenty of art with Ronda Rousey as Captain Marvel. A lot of artists, um, Boss Logic, who's a guy that does tremendous work, and countless other artists shared amazing pieces of artwork with Ronda Rousey as Captain Marvel. Now, Ronda, of course, made it a point to share all that artwork because, obviously, she is trying to generate a buzz. Now, Slick and I had this conversation about whether she should or should not be Captain Marvel, and I I said to him, and I'm going to share it with you guys, 
that it, this is just a public campaign, a grassroots campaign. Um, Marvel probably hasn't even given it any thought as to as to you know her being in, involved in anything. But I will say this: she she has the the physical presence for it. You know her her fighter her fighter background works. It does. As an actress, her roles have been incredibly limited, so I can't form an honest opinion from, you know, her brief work in Expendables 3, her, her work in Entourage, and the, the bit part that she had in Fast and Furious. Now, she's got a movie coming out with Mark Wahlberg where she's going to be a little bit more involved, she's going to be a bit more on screen, and it'll be easier to determine if she can really act. Because when you look at Gina Carano, Gina Carano's acting definitely leaves a lot to be desired. But in terms of presence and fight choreography, she's definitely top notch. Now, again, I'm not endorsing Ronda Rousey as Captain Marvel. I am not. But what I am saying is that in terms of just applying how much of a badass she is in the real world... To a character like Captain Marvel, I can see where people are supportive of that. And I say this because Kevin Smith was asked about it by TMZ, and he said, did you see the picture? Come on, you don't even need to think about it at this point. There's an image, we can see it, she looks amazing. Kevin Smith went on to add that Ronda Rousey is the only person who could play a superhero and actually beat the shit out of somebody. You know, that's a, that's a pretty strong endorsement from a guy who is a pretty, pretty who's a pretty hardcore comic book fan. Now, like I said, I don't I'm not endorsing the casting. I mean, Slick brought to my attention some some solid casting uh, you know, he you know, he brought uh Yvonne Starhovsky, who many of you remember from Chuck as somebody who would make a good Captain Marvel. Uh Jimbo Slice mentioned Jessica Beale, which I think Jessica Beale would probably be an awesome Captain Marvel. Straight up. I definitely think that would be the case or Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, and the only reason I say that is because both actresses are already established amongst comic fans. That's not to say that either actress is better than the other. Just the fact that they are established. But I will say Jessica Biel definitely, you know, she's 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 a taller. She's a taller. She's a taller woman and she's she's pretty muscular. She's pretty jacked. I think I think she could pull it off. Now the thing is, and this I've said before, you know, I originally said Katie Sackoff could have pulled it off, and I still kind of stand by that. And the reason I do is because when you look at Marvel films, every actor, aside from Robert Downey Jr. that has been involved in these films, has been an actor that is popular, but not popular where it'll cost you millions upon millions of dollars. To request their services. I say this because if you remember. Robert Downey Jr. was and remains. The highest paid actor. In the Marvel Universe. Still. Even though he went before the the studio. And asked for more money. For the rest of his co-stars. In relation to pay. Robert Downey Jr. still tops. Now. When you look at actresses. Like Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence is. You know. She's in high demand as an actress. So you know that for you to lock her down for a a couple of films, you know, a standalone Captain Marvel film, a couple of Avengers movies, maybe a sequel if it does well, 
you know you're going to have to shell out a shitload of money. Now, going with what Slick said, you know, Yvonne Starhovsky's, again, a a recognizable actress, a well-known actress, but not an actress that you got to pay a shit ton of money to. Plus, she probably would be willing to do it. Now, a lot of rumors have been floating around. You know, a lot of rumors have been floating around about Emily Blunt and Emily Blunt being considered for Captain Marvel. While, again, she's a good actress. A lot of people are taking how she was in Edge of Tomorrow as an indicator that she would work. I feel that Emily Blunt is too dainty still. Even though she was a, a hard ass in Edge of Tomorrow, I felt she was too dainty to be Captain Marvel. On the contrary, I looked at Emily Blunt and I saw Wasp. I saw Wasp immediately. I didn't see Captain Marvel. Again, that's just me. But nonetheless, it's pretty crazy that Kevin Smith would co-sign to Ronda Rousey being Captain Marvel. It's just crazy to hear that. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Dark Helmet says Robert Downey Jr. is in much higher demand. This is true, but that's why Robert Downey Jr. gets a shitload of money, dude. Like, Robert Downey Jr.'s high demand is so crazy that he can sit, that Marvel can say, you know, we need you for the Avengers. And he's like, yeah, well, I've been kind of thinking I want to take this other project. And Marvel's pretty much like, how much is it going to cost us? And, and that's pretty much it. Like, Robert Downey Jr., and people don't, won't say this outright, but Robert Downey Jr. is Marvel Studios. He is. And the reason I say that is because if Marvel Studios wouldn't have pulled the trigger with Iron Man and made the money that it made, it would not have got the studio on the map to where everybody wants to work with them. It's true. Robert Downey Jr. was the, 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 the tip of the spear for that. Yes, you can talk about the Hulk and Edward Norton and all these other Marvel movies, but when it came down to forming Marvel Studios and making it successful, Robert Downey Jr.'s work as Iron Man led the charge for that. Is it, am I saying that had Captain America come out first instead of Iron Man, it wouldn't have been as successful? No, not at all. But I just feel that Robert Downey Jr. just took that role and turned it into something else. That's what he did. Every one of those guys that is getting a paycheck right now in Marvel, Robert Downey Jr. is a factor in that. Because again, Iron Man was so successful that Hollywood took notice and they said, hey, this, the, these comic films, are they work. They work, let's let's throw money at it. And that's how it was. If you guys remember in the old days, celebrities didn't want to touch superhero movies. They felt that it was beneath them. For you to convince an actor to take a role in a superhero movie, it was like pulling teeth. And actors, especially in the old days, they'll say that it was, you know, they were scared about how they were going to be received, etc., etc., etc. Hell, I mean, Michael Keaton himself said that. When he said, yeah, you know, the, when they asked him about, you know, Ben Affleck's casting as Batman, he said, he's like, you know, this is one of those things that actors got to deal with. And people don't understand that. And it's true. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't totally enthusiastic about Ben Affleck playing Batman. I was not. I could have given you a laundry list of guys that were not Ben Affleck that I would have liked to have played Batman. He was not even on my radar. 
And I said that in, in an article I wrote uh, when, the, when the announcement was made. And as, as crazy as it sounds, I'm still not 100% convinced. But I'll say this. The guy is a tremendous actor and a great director. And this may be his Robert Downey Jr. moment for the DC Universe. I mean, Henry Cavill did a great job as Superman to, to the point where it made people want to check it out. And it made people want to invest in movies from DC. But I think that if Ben Affleck brings it together the same way Robert Downey Jr. did for Iron Man, it's going to really turn the tide for movies coming from DC. Like right now, everybody's feeling positive about all these DC movies, Suicide Squad, Justice League, you know, Batman versus Superman. And they're feeling that way because of the marketing blitz that you're being hit with. Not so much the fact that actors are really selling you on these roles. I mean, everybody talks about Suicide Squad and everybody's talking about Margot Robbie and Harley and Jared Leto's Joker. But again, it's just pictures and snippets of film. The true test is carrying a movie from start to finish and engaging in such a way that you want to see that movie, that, that actor, again on the screen. Like, when I first saw Christian Bale as Batman, I said, Christian Bale is a great Bruce Wayne, but he needs work as Batman. I said it. Wasn't a dig at Christian Bale, it was just the way I felt. Now, obviously, the second film, he really pulled it together, he grew into the role and it just, it worked. And even the third film was, was pretty solid. Again, I still stand by the fact that Christian Bale was a better Bruce Wayne than a better Batman. You may, many of you may disagree with that, but I just felt that he, he was a better Bruce Wayne, but his Batman needed work. Obviously, everybody's going to crack jokes about the voice, which, why wouldn't you? But I just felt that there was, there was more to it than than just his work as Bruce Wayne. Like, his work as Bruce Wayne was probably some of the best work that not too many people want to talk about. People are e are always ready to talk about Batman, but you can't have Batman without Bruce Wayne, and adding a realm of, you know, realism and really deep storytelling made for a better and more compelling Bruce Wayne. I mean, if you, if you guys remember, in the first ba in Batman Begins... That was one of the things that made it so good was the fact that Bruce Wayne was such a compelling character from start to finish. That's all. But again, we shall see what happens with regards to the Captain Marvel casting. There's a lot of rumors and speculation. Like I said, I've heard Emily Blunt's name thrown around quite a bit, but there is no official word yet from Marvel Studios on any potential candidates. If I hear about it, you know, I'll let you guys know that. ASAP. In some sad news, I was I am sad to announce that Yvonne Craig, who many of you may know from the 1960s Batman series, she played Batgirl, uh, passed away at the age of 78 due to complications from breast cancer that um, made its way into her liver. She died at her home in Pacific Palisades, California, surrounded by her family. Um, I was really bummed out to read that. Um, not only because Batgirl, I remember watching the 1966 Batman series uh, when it w aired later on on Channel 9 and other channels as I grew up. And when we started getting cable on a consistent basis, you know, Nick at Night, 
And uh, she was definitely one of my crushes as a kid. I was like, wow, that's that chick can fill out a costume. And, you know, it was, you know, you're a kid. You're like, wow, she's so pretty. And aside from that, as I got older, she started popping up in other films and other series. Um, she was in Gidget. I, I only know that because I remember that played, used to play on Nick at Night. And I remember seeing her once. I believe she was in Six Million Dollar Man, uh, The Mod Squad, Man from Uncle. She was in Kojak, Fantasy Island. And she even played a slave girl that tried to kill Captain Kirk on Star Trek. And the uh, and I didn't even know that till recently when somebody shared a clip and I had to look real closely. I was like, oh, shit, it's her. That's pretty cool. I didn't even know that only because, like I said, she was an actress that I grew up watching during, you know, when I when the 60s Batman show was on. And like I said, other than that, I'd see her in passing in other shows that would play on Nick at Night or just other on TBS and I'd end up watching that, but it wasn't like, oh, you know, what is she up to? It, w- it was weird for me. I mean, when I read it, I was saddened to see it, obviously, because, you know, she she lived a, a pretty lengthy life. But to to know that she was in so many other things that made their way across my TV screen growing up, I was like, damn, she was in that? I didn't know. Like Perry Mason, Mikhail's Navy, uh, My Three Sons, uh, like I said, Kojak, Mod Squad. Six Million Dollar Man, Starsky and Hutch, just a, a who's who of, of great shows. And to know that she was involved in them just really blew my mind. Uh, my condolences on behalf of the uh, Rageworks and MTR team to her family. Like I said, just really sad to read it, but very cool to see that she was involved in so many other shows that, you know, I may have to go back and rewatch just to see which ones they were. And I probably saw them and I, it was probably blink and you missed it for me. But um, nonetheless, you know, it's unfortunate, but I did want to share that with you guys in case you didn't know. Um, The 1960s Batman TV series is available on DVD and Blu-ray, and I believe it does air on, uh, I want to say, I want to say it's on Netflix. Don't quote me on it, but I know I saw it on a streaming service not too long ago. The, um, The animated, not the animated, the 1960 Batman movie I know was streaming on Netflix a couple of months back. And I watched that just for the sake of nostalgia, you know, watching everybody get turned into powder. And um, it, w- it was so far-fetched and so silly, but you end up watching it just because it was it was fun. Again, like I said, sad to report the passing of Yvonne Craig. Um, you can find more information about the show she was in. Look up her IMDb profile. I'm sure there is a lengthy list of shows you can check out. But I gave you guys a pretty decent list as well. All right, so two things left to wrap up the show for this week. Uh, First, if you guys remember a couple of months back, I said that they were contemplating a spinoff for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with uh, Mockingbird, played by Adrian Palicki, and Lance Hunter. And originally it was said that the, the thought for, you know, the intent for that series was to have it air kind of like the way they did Agent Carter, and then they shelved the project, and that was that. Well, looks like ABC is ordering a pilot for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Mockingbird and Lance Hunter, and um, even though they initially passed on it, it looks like they're going to go with it. Uh, The title, it looks like, is going to be Marvel's Most Wanted. Of course, this joins Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. 
on the ABC network. Now, I'm curious to see what type of stories and where they're going to go with these characters. Not because a spinoff is a bad idea. I just feel that unless this is leading to possibly the Thunderbolts or something of that capacity, I'm, I'm a little apprehensive. I mean, I like Adrian Palicki on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think um, Lance Hunter's character is awesome. He has really, really great chemistry with the rest of the cast. But I don't know if both of them can carry an entire, you know, one-hour show on their own. A little apprehensive. But I'm sure there will be some carryover between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter and any of the other, and any of the other Marvel properties. So I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach, but I do agree with many people in the sense that it's not a, a necessary spinoff. It really isn't. If you were going to spin off any character, it would probably be Agent May. Only because Agent May's character in the show, there's a lot of great backstory there. Ming-Na Wen is tremendous. And I think you could do a lot more with her as a, you know, a solo operative. Maybe bring her in with um, Mockingbird and Lance Hunter. Maybe turn her into a Marvel character that people may know. You know, kind of move in that direction. But not sure where I stand, like I said with a Mockingbird and Lance Hunter series. But once we get some more information, definitely we'll share that with you guys. Last but not least, I want to close out with uh, some Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F news. Now, many of you know that I went to the red carpet event along with my colleague Danny from Royal Flush Magazine, and I also reviewed the film, and you can check out that review plus our coverage on RageWorks.net. Now, they are going to be releasing the film once again for a short run, given the success of its previous release. But aside from that, those of you that are anxiously awaiting the film to head to uh, DVD, Blu-ray, and digital, well, I got some news for you guys. If you want to watch the film or pick up the film via digital platforms, you'll be able to pick it up starting October 9th. Retail outlets throughout the United States will be receiving the film on October 20th. Of course, there's going to be three versions of the film, because why not, that are currently available for th uh, for pre-order. Two of those are going to have over 50 minutes of bonus features. Uh, the first one is the Resurrection F Collector's Edition, which includes the 95-minute feature film, over 50 minutes of extras, including uh, a Voice of Dragon Ball Z featurette, uh, some cast interviews, red carpet, uh, red carpet footage, premium packaging, of course, and you're going to get four holographic Frieza Force propaganda postcards. That suggested the suggested retail price for the collector's edition is $59.99. Of course, that is going to change as it gets closer to the film's release. Of course, this is the MSRP that they're going to put out first. Uh, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F's Blu-ray and DVD combo will include the film, the 50 minutes of extra footage, and is and has a suggested retail price. Of thirty four ninety eight, which of course it's not going to be the case. Uh, the DVD version, of course, has the feature film, and the MSRP is twenty nine ninety eight. We all know that when Battle of the Gods came out, the movie I believe on Blu Ray and DVD was seventeen ninety nine. So I wouldn't sweat it. But if you are interested in picking up the film, you are going to have three versions to choose from. Of course, the collector's edition. Uh, they have some packaging for it, which I'm going to try and share with you guys on Rageworks over the weekend once I get the stuff from Funimation. So once I get that, I'll share it with you guys. You can see the art. 
the holographic freezer propaganda cards and all the other stuff that will be included in the collector's edition. All right. So with that, that is actually going to wrap up tonight's show. It was a pretty short one this week. So with that said, I've given you my take on gaming and entertainment, so I definitely want to hear yours. Feel free to reach out via social media on Twitter at MyTakeRadio or at Rage underscore Works. If you're on Facebook, feel free to reach out to us via our Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. And you can find the link to our Facebook group, interact with other readers and listeners and hosts and writers from RageWorks and MyTakeRadio via our RageWorks group. With regards to archived episodes of the show, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Shows are usually updated within 24 to 48 hours of airing. As for video versions, you can find it on two YouTube channels. It's official, RageWorks, and My Take Radio TV. But if you want the best experience, pick up the official My Take Radio app. It is available for $1.99 for Android, iOS, and Windows devices. Gives you access to 96K stereo audio, mobile wallpapers, and exclusive content, including MTR Behind the Mic, MTR Beyond the Mic, and the Minority Film Report. Best of all, you guys get access to that before the general public does. So, again, $1.99 Android. You can find it in the Amazon Marketplace. iOS, you're heading to iTunes, of course. And for Windows, you are heading to the Windows Marketplace. Now, the Windows app is available for Windows Mobile and for Windows 8 and 10 as well. Again, it's $1.99, cheaper than a cup of coffee. Of course, proceeds go to help us. Much like all the advertising and links on the site, which I did want to mention before we we head out, that every piece of advertising on the site, every link that we post up, you know, it's it it's an affiliate link, or we have relationships with these brands, and because of that, every link, everything that you guys use on the site helps us. It allows us to make improvements to the show and continue to give you guys the best quality show we can give you. Now, of course, as I mentioned, I do want to revisit Patreon, and I've said it. A thousand times, but again, I'm just apprehensive about putting that out there again and just not being successful. Nonetheless, it's something we still have kind of on the back burner and are still considering. With that, let's get the hell out of here, shall we? See you guys next Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. Peace. Everything, everything, that's all, folks.